Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, amen. What's up, Centerpoint Church? Crocodile farms, crocodile farms. That's what we're paying for kids to go to. That is beautiful. That's what Rachel said. Man, are you guys excited to be in the, what? She said any extra money goes to crocodile farms. Taking kids, I'm glad that we're sending kids to crocodile farms. I didn't know those existed. All right. Beautiful. Well, my name is Aaron. I have the privilege of being the youth pastor um, at Centerpoint. I'm so excited. You guys ready to get in the word of God this morning? Listen, let's, let's pray. Let's get our hearts set and uh, open to hear what he has to say. Jesus, I thank you that you are here. And right now, God, we just let go of every distraction, every lie, every burden, anything that could cause us to not be present to hear your word, Jesus. We ask for your voice to be heard. We ask for you to teach us, to mold us, to shape us, God. We thank you for the intimacy that has been purchased through the blood of your son, We thank you that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace and receive mercy from you, God. I thank you for freedom from sin. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Teach us. And all God's children said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, We're in this new series. It's called Make Room. Turn to your neighbor and say, make room. Maybe push them over and say, make some room. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. We're in this series called Make Room. And it's all about making room for God's best in our lives. You see, uh, what you value, you make room for in your life. What you value, you make room for in your life. So if you value Netflix, you're going to make room and time to watch Netflix. You know what I'm talking about? Right? If we make time, right? If we make room for Jesus, it shows that we value Jesus. We value prayer. We make time to pray. We value worship. We make room in our lives to worship. And this morning, we're going to be talking about making room for the love of God to be manifest in our lives. Anyone need more of the love of God in your life? Right? Not just in our lives to actually be shown in our lives. And so I want to share two stories with you, and they're going to be kind of different stories, okay? But I want you to track with me. I promise they relate. The first one is this. About a couple of years ago, I had a radical encounter with Jesus in a dream, with the Holy Spirit in a dream. And, and in this dream, I was lying in my bed in the dream, and this mighty wind broke in through my windows in my old room in my parents' house. It, it broke through, and it was almost like uh, you ever stick your hand out of the car on a freeway, and your hand's going back like this, right? So this wind comes into my room. I'm sticking my hands up. It's, it's pushing back, and the presence of God falls on me in my room. While I'm laying there, the wind stops, and then this translucent figure I now know was the Holy Spirit literally walks into my room, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was a little frightened, okay? Uh, I don't know if you've ever, you know, when you read about people encountering angels, encountering God, they basically get terrified. That's what I felt like, right? Holy Spirit walks into my room, comes up to me, kisses my chest, then my head, and then my chest again. And then this heavenly choir starts singing in my room, oh, most radiant fire, fall down on us, fall down on us. 
And I could hear it. It was loud in my room. It was so loud. Oh, most radiant fire, fall down on us. And I realized that it was Pentecost in my bedroom. Tongues of fire falling down on us, the, the wind breaking into a mighty wind, the sound of a mighty wind came into the room and Pentecost came and it was God showing me that I didn't have to wait for a certain moment of encounter with him. He could bring Pentecost and his Holy Spirit in my bedroom. You with me, right? Good news, awesome experience. Can I tell you a completely different story? Okay, so a, a couple of years ago, I was, I was in college, and uh, I was roommates with this guy. I'm not going to say his name just in case he ever watches this, okay? He was one of those roommates. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had roommates, but it's a little, uh, uh, little crazy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, a, a little messy, a little gross, would leave stuff out, right? And I kind of was like, I love you, dude, but like... <laughs> You know, like chill. You know, anyway, so I walk into my room once I was studying. I was studying all night. I came into my, my apartment building, into my room. I shared a room with him at around 1 a.m. And on his desk is a leftover caramel frappuccino. And inside that caramel frappuccino is something like a thousand ants, okay? A thousand ants that are now traveling up the wall and onto the ceiling and out of the room and getting into our house because of the frappuccino that he left on, right? And I don't know if it was because I was delirious or the spirit of God came over me, but I just went like this. I said, let's go, Jesus. I said, let's go, Jesus. And I just started cleaning up. I didn't wake him up. I didn't get frustrated. Something in my heart was just like, I'm just going to take care of this and we're going to have fun doing it. It was 1 a.m. in the morning, mind you, okay? So I'm already kind of tired, but something came over me where I started cleaning this up. So what do I do? I take paper towels and I don't know why I did this, but I wet them and tried to do it that way, right? A really bad idea, really bad idea. Anyway, so, but then that's not working. So what I do is I actually get the vacuum out. Okay, and I turn this thing on. This guy's asleep the entire time. I don't even know. Just like I'm vacuuming up the walls, vacuuming. Like I finally get all the ants and then I, I come up with the bright idea. I'm a college student. My mom didn't teach me this apparently. Sorry, mom, right? She didn't teach me uh, that you're not supposed to put, um, uh, what is it, paper towels in the toilet, right? And so I'm like, I'm finally done. This is amazing. I have ant covered paper towels. I put them in the toilet, flush the toilet, and it overflows in my bathroom. Now it's 2.30 a.m. I got toilet water covered in ants all over my bathroom. I'm like, let's go, Jesus, right? I'm like, somehow we're going to make this work. I think I'm crazy, right? I start cleaning this up. I get the entire floor going, and this is going to get graphic. I'm sorry. I go to the bathroom. Apparently it wasn't unclogged. Flush it again. Now my pee water is all over the floor covered in ants at 3.30 in the morning with me. Let's go, Jesus. Everyone say, let's go, Jesus. Listen, why am I sharing this crazy story, okay? This is why. Because the same God that encounters us to transform us is the same God that's in the practical, everyday moments of our life to live his spirit out, even in inconvenience. It's the same God. And I know it's kind of, you know, you're like, oh, is it the same God, right? It's the same God, the same God who comes in and gives us radical encounters with himself is the same God who transforms our hearts to be able to meet everyday inconveniences and frustrations and irritations and say, let's go, Jesus. You with me? And so we're, I believe this with all my heart that, that, that a transformed heart is just as much a miracle as a lame person getting up. Freedom, actually, a heart that forgives is just as much a miracle as deaf ears opening. 
A heart free from bitterness and resentment is just as much a miracle as blind eyes opening. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead and raises us from the dead is the same God who gives us freedom from everyday irritation. You with me, church? And so we're going to be talking about making room for love, specifically talking about dealing with frustration and irritation. Does that sound good? (laughs) Frustration and irritation. Why? Because I've learned this. The more we make room in our lives as believers for irritation and frustration in our lives, the less room we have to love the person in front of us and encounter Jesus. The more room we make for irritation, frustration, annoyance, complaining in our lives, the less capacity we have to encounter our beautiful God and his beautiful people. Are you with me, church? Right? And so I apologize in advance. I may be stepping on some toes this morning. Okay? Are we ready for it? Are we game? Are we ready for Jesus to encounter us? Amen. 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 Um, so we're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, chapter 13, starting in verse 4 through 7. Who's got their Bibles with them this morning? Amen. We got our phones, Bible on our phone, people. Yes, there we go. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses four through seven, I was a wedding DJ for five years, so I heard this scripture pretty much every single wedding. Yes, I was, yeah. Uh, this mustache kills, actually. So, yeah. So, yes, I was a wedding DJ for a long time. So, so this, this could easily, this scripture can lose its power if we let it, right? But this is the practical application of love. It says this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand on its own way. It is not irritable. I'm going to say that again because that's so good. It does not demand on its own way. Love does not demand on its own way. It is not, everyone say it. It is not, say it again. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Do we see, church, how practical love is? Sometimes we're waiting for a big encounter from God, and he's telling us, be patient, be kind. Don't be filled with jealousy and envy. Don't be boastful. Don't be proud. Don't be rude. You want to know what love is? It's not just in the big encounters where God and and the Holy Spirit rushes through like a mighty wind. It's also in the practical application of loving the person in front of you, being patient with someone, and even being free from irritation. Right? And whatever God commands us to do, he empowers us to do. So don't disqualify yourself and then look at that list and say, I'm not there, I'm not there, I'm not there, I'm not there. Guess what? The Holy Spirit, God is love, and through the Holy Spirit has made residence in our hearts, which empowers us to live this stuff out. It empowers us to live this stuff out. So don't count yourself out. Just a couple weeks ago, I was at uh, the ballpark. I went, to go see, um, I went to go see the Padres play. Okay, it was actually a beautiful game. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, three-run home run for the win. It was like a movie. It was, incredible. it was insane, right? But if there's a place where everybody's frustrated, it was there. Okay? Everyone's irritated. Everyone's frustrated. They're frustrated with the traffic that they had to sit in on the way to the game. 
They're frustrated with the parking that they couldn't find, and the only parking available is obviously the parking they provide for us, which costs $50, right? They're frustrated with their kids running all over the place, right? They're frustrated that they spent $18 on nachos (laughs) and that their kid spilled those nachos as soon as they got them. They're frustrated about waiting in lines. I saw multiple parents yelling at their kids, get out of the car, get out of the car. We got to make it. Running to their seats, waiting in lines, getting angry at the people offering food. People are frustrated. And I'm thinking in my spirit, I'm saying, let this not be so with the people of God. That we would allow everyday inconveniences to blind us from seeing the people in front of us and the opportunity for the glory of God to show up. Let this not be the people of God that we would be so caught up in ourselves to, and, and looking at our circumstances and situations, complaining, frustrated, irritated, that what is actually inside of us manifests outside of us and yuckiness gets all over the people around us. And so I'm, I'm watching this and, and I'm feeling this, the, the conviction of God. You know, Jesus says this, he says, whatever is on the inside will flow to the outside. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus, I believe, did a very mighty work on the cross, and it wasn't just to get us to heaven. It was to transform our hearts. It wasn't just to keep us the same on earth, and then one day when we die, finally every, everything's changed and we're transformed. No, he seeks transformation for us here on earth to be different, to look like him here on earth. And with the spirit of God, we're able to get his goodness, his love, his righteousness in our hearts. And what is in your heart will flow out of your life. But we live in a bothered culture, a bothered culture, frustrated, irritated, annoyed. I thought this was so funny. I looked up synonyms for for, uh, for irritation, okay? Will you sit with me for a little while while I give you all of these many synonyms for irritation? This shows me how bothered our culture is. Ready for this? <clears throat> I'm gonna take a deep breath. Whew. Aggravated, annoyed, ate, bothered, bugged, burned, exasperated, frosted. Anyone frosted this morning, okay? <laughs> frosted, galled, got, grated, griped, hacked, hacked off, irked, itch, narked, nettled, peeved, persecuted, picked, put out, rasped, riled, ruffled, spited, vexed, hassled, heckled, nagged, inflamed, <gasps> provoked, roused, badgered, baited, bully ragged, that's awesome, deviled, haggrowed, harassed, harried, pestered, plagued, teased, angered, antagonized, enraged, incensed, infuriated, maddened, rankled, roiled, agitated, discomforted, discomposed, disquieted, distressed, exercised, freaked out, fretted, perturbed, undid, unhinged, unsettled, upset, worried, affronted, assaulted, miffed, offended, and outraged to get one's goat, get on one's nerve, rub the wrong way, set one's teeth on edge to wear on and to have your buttons pushed. (laughs) 75 ways to say the same thing. We're a bothered culture. Why do we need so many words to say the same thing? I'm frustrated with life. I'm frustrated with you. I'm frustrated with the way things are going. I wish they were going my way. I'm irritated. Let it not be so with the people of God. Let it not be so with the people of God. Jesus gives us access to the Prince of Peace on the inside so that his love 
can flow to the outside, to people around us. Amen? Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, says this. Do everything. Everyone say everything. Everything. Come on, everyone say everything. Everything. What does everything mean? It means everything. (laughs) Do everything, what? Without complaining and arguing. Let that sink in real quick. We're like, Holy Spirit, yeah, Holy Spirit, activate, what up, hey, hey, right? And then you hear his word, do everything without complaining, without arguing. That word complaining means even the murmurs, the grumbles inside your heart, the talking underneath your breath. I can't believe her. I can't believe him. I can't believe this is going on. Are you serious? This is going on. Do everything. Other translations, all things. That means everything you're working on, every conversation, everything in your friend group, everything in your family, dealing with your kids. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Right? (laughs) This is crazy. Why? So that no one can criticize you. So that no one can criticize you. Listen, if I go to the ballpark and I have the spirit of God in me, but I'm just as irritated as everybody else, live clean. Innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. What does that mean? When everybody else is irritated, shine like Jesus. When everyone else is frustrated, when everyone else is yelling at our kids, we should have patience, kindness, the fullness of God and his spirit flowing out of our lives. I'm spitting a lot, splash zone, okay? Look at this. Hold firmly, sorry. (laughs) I have overactive spit glands when I preach. (laughs) Okay, all right, I can't. Guys, all right. Hold firmly to the word of life, then, the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Paul's saying, listen, listen, listen. You're not supposed to look like everybody else. It's awesome if we say, I love Jesus and I'm going to heaven, but if our life looks like everybody else, why would they want what we have? If I'm just as irritated as the next guy who doesn't have the spirit of God, what does that matter about me having the spirit of God? It says, shine brightly, live clean, innocent lives, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and, for per- and perverse people. This is not calling you to be what you're not. This is calling to you to be who you are. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. He says, you're a city on a hill. That's what the church is, that we're a chosen people, royal priests. Amen. That's who we are, and he's calling us to be who we are. And so when everybody else is irritated, when everyone else is frustrated and annoyed, we're living in the peace of God manifesting our love, the love of our Savior. Amen. And so what I've realized is, you know, this scripture where it says, do everything with compl- without complaining and arguing, it's in the context of Jesus let, being humble enough to let go of his life. 
And in him letting go of his life and humbling himself, he's exalted. Says that we should be imitators of Christ who didn't count, uh, didn't, um, count equality with God as something to be grasped. He let go of his life and in that letting go of his life, he was exalted by God. Okay, this is where this context is. And so my main point for us this morning is this, let go of your life to make room for God's love. Let go of your life to make room for God's, God's love. Why let go of your life? Because I think most frustration, irritation, and annoyance is caused from us holding too tightly to our lives. Yeah. Too tightly to control of our lives. And when things get out of our control, what does that cause? Irritation and rubbing us the wrong way. When we're holding too tightly onto our lives, when we're holding too tightly onto our relationships and what people should do, we, we have a way that we think that people should operate towards us. And, and because of those expectations, when they don't meet those expectations, what does it cause? The frustration of irritation. And so Jesus is calling us into a completely different mindset where we let go of our own lives, let go of our entitlement to get what we deserve or what we think the world ought to give us and hold on to his life, which is freedom from irritation. So I'm going to give you a couple ways to, to, to do this, to be free from irritation. It's stuff that's, that, that, that I feel like is, has been grounded in my spirit, and I hope that it helps us live differently and shine like bright lights. Amen? The first one is this. We as believers got to see God in people. We as believers have to see God as people. You see, irritation blinds us from seeing the spirit of God in other people. Irritate. When you're irritated with somebody, you can't love them well. You're frustrated with them. Something's wrong. Something's got to change with them before you have capacity to love them. Listen, if that was Jesus' mentality towards us, man, we'd be in trouble. You get it together and then I'll get close to you and be kind to you. That wasn't his heart. No, it was loving in the midst of somebody being irritated, being in the wrong path, going their own way. And that love is what brought actual transformation. Right? And so we have to see God in other people. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, it says, we regard no one anymore according to the flesh. We don't see them from a human point of view. We don't see them. We see them as marked by heaven. We see them as the image of God. And when I see you as the image of God, it doesn't matter what you say, what you do, how you hurt me, what's going on, what you're frustrating with me. I have to see you as God's kid. And I don't want to be frustrated with God's kids. I don't want to be frustrated with God's children. I want to be able to see God in you, and that goes way deeper than anything that you're doing or any frustration that I have with you. You with me? I, one of my favorite preachers, he says, uh, a woman came up to him and asked him, she said, Pastor, I, I need you to pray for my husband. And he said, okay, yeah, I'll pray for your husband. And she says, I, I need you to pray for my husband because he, he keeps getting on my buttons. He keeps pushing my buttons, and you need, to pray. you need to pray that he stops pushing my buttons. <laughs> Can we be honest? Uh, you know, sometimes we pray prayers like that, right? And he says this to her. He says, he says, he says okay, but I'm not going to pray that your husband stops pushing your buttons. I'm going to pray that you go buttonless. Hmm. <laughs> 
I'm convinced of this. The robes of righteousness that Christ has given us, they don't have buttons that could be pushed. I'm really convinced of it. There's not a button you can push in me that will keep me from loving you. There's not getting under my skin and rubbing me the wrong way that'll keep my love from you. That'll keep me from seeing you. Why? Because your identity is not determined by how you treat me. It's by how he treated you and he treated you well by dying for you. So I can't see you any different if you're pushing my buttons and getting on my nerves. You're not on my last nerves. All my nerves are in him. Right? And we're living our lives sometimes waiting for people to fulfill all these expectations and getting frustrated, irritated, annoyed with other people, keeping us from love them. But let me tell you something, the robe of righteousness Jesus has given you, that, that doesn't have buttons to be pushed. Never hold back your love because someone's getting under your skin. Always pursue love and that'll bring transformation. What does Jesus say? He doesn't just call us to love the people we like. He certainly didn't. He says, love your enemy. That means love the people you don't like. That means love the people who get on your nerves. That means love the people that are frustrating you. That means love the people that have different beliefs than you, that have different political stance than you. That means love everybody. The people that you are in opposition to, love them. He says, even the pagans love people that love them back. That's easy stuff. That's easy. That's ground level. That's first grade. We got to graduate as believers and not just loving the people that love us back. He says, that's easy. Try loving your enemy. Try loving the person that's gossiping about you. Try loving the person that has cut you down. Try loving the person that said all this stuff about you and created identities in you that you didn't want. Try loving the people, that person that's always on your nerves, that's always frustrating you, that irks you everything they do, that you hate even the sound of their voice. Try loving that person. Come on. I know we got some of them. You're like, I just can't even handle your voice right now. <laughs> I know we got him. Colossians chapter 3, I love this. Verse 12 says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, get this, always identity comes before action. God chose you to be holy, so... You must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. That means give space for the places where people aren't perfect. Give space for those idiosyncrasies in another individual. Allow that to be there. He's saying, don't push them away. Don't stop loving them. Every single one of us, we got faults. We got flaws. We got idiosyncrasies. We got things going on. We got things that annoy other people. He's saying in the body of Christ, you got to make allowance for those things because everyone's different. And if you want everyone to be the same in line, all uniform and everything like that, you're going to have some problems. So he's saying you have to make room to be able to see other people under the covering of Christ and make room for their faults. Make room for their faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Okay, so see God in other people. The second one is this. I'm going to speed it up a little bit so I don't take all your time. Is this. Embrace inconvenience. Embrace inconvenience. We live in a convenience culture. I want Everything my way, the way I ordered it, on time, when I asked for it, I want it now. I want Amazon Prime not in two days. I want it yesterday. <laughs> you should have already been thinking about 
giving me what I ordered off of Amazon Prime two days before I even ordered it. Like we live in a convenience, I want it now culture, and we often feel entitled to get things our way in the way in the timing that we have for them. And that naturally makes way for so much frustration and so much inconvenience when things don't go our way because we're so, so we're trying to hold on so tightly towards things going our way. The Bible, Jesus has a completely different way of operating in life. He says, you know what hardships? He says, he says trials, all that stuff. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Don't try and run from it. Don't try and find a formula to get away from it. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Not, I've taken away all your trouble so you have happy days. No, I'd be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That means anything you face, you're empowered to go through. And so we need to learn as believers to embrace the inconveniences in our lives. You know, <laughs> this was a little while ago. I was, I was on my way to church, and I don't know why I had this, um, this, this I always like... I, I had this like imagining that if I ever got hit by somebody like in my car, <laughs> that I would just like jump out of my car and just start loving on them. Like, I don't know why. I was just like, I was like kind of almost like waiting for the opportunity. I'm like, S I know, I know it's weird. I know it's weird. It finally happened, guys. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm on my way to church. I'm on my way here. I don't know if I was even on staff yet, but I was serving here and I'm on my way and I'm coming down Calmia this way, about to turn on Washington and I'm at the red light, about to turn right and I just get ram, Just, you know, kind of whisk me. And it was like that moment I had when all the ants were everywhere. I just said, let's go, Jesus. And I hopped out. I was like, ah, right? I hopped immediately out and I just start bolting towards the guy. I start bolting towards this guy and I just wrap my arms around him and hug him as he gets out of the car, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> like a movie, like I was reuniting with a long lost friend. I like ran out of my car, just start hugging this guy, just saying, you're amazing, Jesus loves you, you're incredible. I just wanna let you know, you, it doesn't even matter what you were doing when you hit me, just Jesus, right? I'm like, can I pray for you? I end up praying for the guy. <laughs> Turns out he was coming to the church too. <laughs> he was a new believer too. Trying to get his life straight with Jesus. Now I was going to the same place. Can you imagine if I busted out of the car? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Or are you texting? Do you not pay attention? What's wrong with you? And then we end up at the church. <laughs> hey, brother. God bless. <laughs> Jesus loves you. He's like, uh. Why? Because every inconvenience is an opportunity to shine the love of Jesus. Every inconvenience is an opportunity to shine in the midst of this broken, crooked, and perverse world. Because everybody else who's getting hit is getting out grumpy and how could you and I can't believe you. But if we as believers have the heart of Jesus, we should always, our first, our first thought should be love before anything else. 
How can I love on this person? How can I pray for this person? How can I be Jesus to this person? First John says, as he is in heaven, so are we in the world. And anyone who says they know God should look as Jesus did on the earth. What would Jesus do if he got rear-ended by somebody? Are you serious? I don't think so, man. That's not my Jesus. He's filled with the fire and the love of God. We got to embrace inconvenience. The third one is this. Trust God as provider. Trust God as provider. I was looking at those gas prices the other day. I ain't never going to Chevron again, I'll tell you that much. I go to the Arco, 50 cents cheaper. That's crazy that that place is still in business. Look, I was looking at the gas prices the other day, and I was just in, under my breath and in my heart, just like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Ah, so much going on. You know what I mean? Government. <laughs> Whatever, right? $6, maybe pay all this money. And I, and I felt the Spirit of God in my ear say, have I ever not provided for you? Have I ever not come through for you? Do I not own the cattle on a thousand hills? Have you ever seen the righteous begging for bread? Why are you complaining about the gas prices, Aaron? They could be $15 a gallon. I'm still going to provide for my kids. He says in Matthew 6, he says, he says, don't worry about what you will eat, about what you will wear, about what you will drink. I'm going to include about the gas prices, about how you're going to get somewhere. He's saying, don't, what is he saying? Food, water, and, and, and what you wear, basic necessity. He said, don't worry about those. He says, have you not seen the sparrows of the air? how I provide for them, the lilies of the field. They're dressed better than the richest guy on the planet, Solomon, and they neither toil nor spin. Why? Because I provide for them. He says those thoughts of concern and frustration and irritation with the cost of things and inflation and worrying about when the next is coming, those thoughts, he says, those are the thoughts that dominate the unbelievers. Because they don't have Jehovah Jireh as their God. They don't know him as the provider. They don't have an external source that takes care of his kids. And so the thoughts of how am I going to make it, what's going on, worrying about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to drink, if everything's going to be all right. He says those thoughts dominate unbelievers. You have a good God. Let's not be irritated, complained, and annoyed with, with how expensive things are and, and what's going on. If you can't control it, don't complain about it. If you're going to do something about it, then do something about it, all right? And th that's, that's fine, right? But don't complain about something you can't control. Because what does that affect? It only affects you. Limits your love and your capacity to see the person in front of you. Now you're mad at the gas station person because of the gas prices, and you miss your opportunity to pour Jesus on the guy. Right? And this is the last one. I'm going to call the worship team back up. We see God in people, we embrace inconvenience, trust God as provided. And the last one is this stop making time an idol. Stop making time an idol. You see, especially in our Western culture, we cling to time. 
how much time we have. We hold on to it. It's my time. You're infringing on my time. We try and gather it. And in in fact, we live in kind of a a lack of it, right? I never have enough time. I don't have enough time to do all the things that I need to do. And we hold on to time and we're always trying to get more time. How can I get more, more, more time, right? The problem is when people start taking that time, that's where the rub happens. People start infringing on our time. This happens in, in relationships with your spouse. You're taking too long. Get in the car. Why? Because you're on your time frame, and when other people aren't on your time frame, irritation, frustration, annoyance, right? Traffic, waiting in traffic for hours on end, and we're just sitting in our car. Just bare knuckled. Are you kidding me? What if inconvenience is an opportunity to shine? What if you're sitting in two hours of traffic and you got two hours of worship and prayer because of it? And we say we don't have enough time with Jesus to spend. We got too much to do, but we're sitting in an hour and a half on a commute when we could just be saying, hey, God, I love you. You're amazing. Praying for the square of people around you. Every inconvenience is an opportunity to shine. Waiting in lines, just frustrated, trying to get your food at Chipotle. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this guy is so slow. Are you kidding me, right? You just grab your food and you're out of there. Where's the capacity to see people around you and to see what God is doing in Chipotle? To love the person in front of you, to love the person who's taking your order. Hey, how was your day? Jesus loves you. You're incredible. Ah, Jesus. Jesus did this so well. He had a special relationship with time, probably because he is God and God is outside of it. So he's on his way towards Jairus' daughter. Jairus says, Jesus, my daughter's dying. You got to come quick, 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 run. And on his way, what happens? The woman with the blood disorder starts tugging on him. Starts tugging on him. He's on his way. This is urgent. This girl's dying. And a woman with blood disorder says, "Ah, I think if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to heal. So I'm going to go after him. Starts tugging on him. And Jesus is present enough to say, who touched me? Not just focus on where he's going, but actually focus on the authority that is within him. And when they start tugging, he doesn't say, I don't have time for you right now. A A girl is dying. He looks down at her and says, your faith has made you well. And he has time for somebody because he knows that it's not his. It's given as a gift from the Father. So he has time for somebody and he knows God's authority anyway. So it doesn't matter what time he shows up, that girl's getting healed. Right? What happens with Lazarus? He hears that Lazarus is sick. So what does he do? He waits four days. Go, Jesus. He's dying. I don't see time how you see time. Because it doesn't matter how late I show up, show up, Lazarus is getting up. Right? There's a deeper authority in his heart. And so we need to learn as a people to stop making time an idol and to be present where we are. Irritation comes in the space between where our feet are and where our mind wants us to be. 
What do I mean? Right now, some of y'all are thinking like, man, I'm trying to get lunch like quick. Can he wrap this up? Are you going? You're frustrated with me right now. That's the spirit of God. Who is it? Raise your hand. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll start running after him. Shake I'm going to Why? Irritated, why? Because your mind is in a spot that your feet aren't. You're right here having the opportunity to listen to God's word, to, to be shaped, to say, Jesus, I love you. Teach me how to do this. But our minds are so often trying to find salvation in the future that we can't be where we are. As soon as I get home, then I can rest. I, I'm tired. I don't want to sit here anymore. I'm, I'm, my back's aching. I got to get out of here, right? And we can't be present because of the frustration of time. When we let go of that and be present like Jesus was, God, what do you have for me in this moment? That's when our enjoyment levels go up. Our joy meter starts you know, going sky high, and we can start loving the people in front of us. You with me? See God in people. Embrace inconvenience. See God as the provider. And let's stop making time an idol. Amen? Let's pray together. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that you're in the simple things. Jesus, that you're in the big spiritual things, God, and the miraculous and healings, but you're also in the little things, God, like being patient with our kids and being kind to our spouses and not being irritated in lines and traffic, but, but being fueled by your spirit, God, to be at peace, even in the midst of the craziest inconveniences, Jesus. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that. I want to give the opportunity this morning to anybody who's never received Jesus, who's never said yes to Jesus, because I firmly believe it's not possible to live this way without the empowerment of the Spirit. Because when you let go of your life, he gives you his. That's the only way the transaction works. When we let go of our lives, he gives us his life. And there is empowerment from the Holy Ghost, from the Holy Spirit to live a way that is transformed, to live a lifestyle that shines brightly in the midst of a crooked and perverse world that shines like the light of the world in a city on a hill that's a beacon of hope Jesus offers us the opportunity not just to, to live in eternity with him, which is amazing and beautiful, but to be transformed from the inside out so that every day we're walking and looking more and more like Jesus. That's the goal, to look like him. And if you want that, this morning, you're saying, I need my sins forgiven. I need a heart change. I want to live this way, but I need relationship. I need connection with God. I'm distant from him. I'm far from him. I feel like my sin's in the way, and, and I just feel darkness. I need the light and love of God in my life, and I want to start a relationship with him. If that's you, can you just raise your hand right now in this moment?
There we go. Anybody else? I think there's one. One more. Raise your hand high so I could see it. Opportunity. (laughs) Anybody. I really feel like in my spirit there's one, one more. Jesus, come, Jesus, come. Who is it? Don't be afraid. You know that you need to to start this relationship with Jesus, and something's tugging on your heart right now to raise your hand and to say yes to him. Who is it? Go ahead and just raise your hand. We just want to pray with you. We want to love on you. Nice footy. Amen. Okay, I see your hand. Go ahead and take your hand and just put it on your heart right now. And just say this. Say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I believe in you. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I want to live for you. I want to look like you. I want to walk like you. I want to talk like you. Change my heart. Wash me clean. I trust you, God. Teach me how to look like you, God. Save me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate those who gave their lives this morning? Come on. Why don't we stand to our feet? Stand to our feet. We're going to sing one last song before we head. Um, out this morning. We're going to sing about the same God that saved, that provided way back when is the same God today. Amen. So let's sing together. Thank you, church.